Yo, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Paddle Down Podcast. I am your host, Kirk Morris. Episode 7. It's been a few weeks. Actually, it's been a few months. I'm not going to lie. It's been a little while since I've done one of these uh, these shows. Uh, you could say I have a little bit of um, writer's block. <laughs> I am part of the Heavy Hockey Network. Go to heavyhockey.com before I forget for all your Oilers, uh, actually for all your AHL. I'm working on, I'm working on some stuff here right now. Uh, I'm going to talk, uh, primarily this is a, a goaltending podcast. I am, I am for a uh, minor hockey goaltender. I have not played any pro whatsoever. <laughs> I'm just a huge fan of goaltending. I played probably about three years excuse me, about, I think from age 11 to age 13, I think it was three years, two years, pardon me, two and a half. I can't remember, but uh, a huge, huge fan of goaltending as a whole. This year, it's been kind of crazy. Uh, I am an Oilers fan as, as if everybody doesn't know, it's no big secret that I am an Oilers supporter. And the goaltending con- controversy there with Jack Hamill has, has been anything but, uh, just just a roller coaster ride to, to sum it up. But today I wanted to talk about uh, about the rebuilds in this league, <laughs> retooling, uh, minor modifications, whatever you want to call it. I also have an interview with uh, Heavy Hockey's own uh, Jeff Aid. He is a humongous. He's probably the biggest Buffalo Sabres fan I've ever met in my life. Like the guy just absolutely bleeds blue, white, and and gold. Like he he loves the Sabres. So uh, we we chat a lot about their prospects. We chat about their goaltending. Uh, really really good stuff. But like I said here, uh, first off, I want to talk about the Oilers and what a comeback uh, streak here for for Jack Campbell. Uh, the, he came in relief there for Stuart Skinner on this last road trip in, in Los Angeles. They went three and one on the last road trip. And that's what they, uh, I, I would, I would say is a damn good road trip. I know Anaheim and, and San Jose aren't the greatest challenges for this team, but you know, Campbell getting back on that horse, he, he really has, uh, answered the bell. He uh, he's put the time in for the work, you know. Stuart Skinner, no nothing against him. I thought that Jay Woodcroft was overworking him there at one point. You could tell he was a little bit tired. He he wasn't totally on point there as he usually is, you know, calm, cool, and collective. He was, especially in that that Los Angeles game. I'm not pinning the the loss entirely on him. I thought it was weird as a whole, you know that that game was just bizarre as it was. I. Uh, the way that Wood, Woodcroft pulled them there, I, and I, I don't think it was a mercy pull. I just, I thought it was a wake-up call for the team. And it happens when you have a rookie goaltender like Stuart Skinner, you're, you are going to stumble. There's just no, there's no easy pass. You see it there uh, this year there with uh, Peter, uh, Peter Kachekov there with Carolina there. He, he stumbled there the other day too, and he, basically took out his frustrations by smashing his stick there on the net. It happens, you know, like you can only do so much. You can do only, only what you can do. Um, but like I said there with Jack Hamill, I'm really stoked about him getting back on that horse. Like I said, went 3-0-0, uh, played awesome there in all three games. I thought he even played well during that Los Angeles game. He, he That allowed goal there with... Uh, they had to review it there. He snagged it out of the air there on Cam- on Kempe. I was just like, holy smokes. Like, you, you got to give him props for that. So, hopefully here in the near future, he gets more work than usual. Um, but knowing Jay Woodcroft, he will probably try to balance out the two. But, uh, you know, he's getting better. You know, Campbell's slowly getting better. He's getting into that rhythm and... Uh, I hope that uh, he gets on a bit of a heater, especially after the All-Star break here. Yeah, we got about two weeks to go here before the All-Star break, so it's uh, it's going to be an interesting ride. 
the uh, the next little while here for the Oilers, they got to take advantage. They got to make hay, and the the sun is definitely shining. So I uh, I, I definitely think they have a huge chance to make some strides. And as far as as far as uh, just just trying to get like what the what the Kraken are doing this year is unreal. And I, I, I heard Kevin Woodley there on Jason Greger's show there today. And it's just a bit of an enigma, you know, like they, they seem to get the wins, but statistically wise with their save percentage, it's absolutely crazy. Like it's just, it's sub 900 level, which is unheard of, especially with Martin Jones. Like you can outscore your opponents, but. Your shooting percentage, I, I think Seattle's shooting percentage is like close to 13 or 14 percent, which is it's in the stratosphere that for them because they're not defensively playing all that well. Mind you, they did shut out Boston here this last weekend, four nothing, I think, the or three nothing. Pardon me, I think that was the final score with Jones and Nett. So uh, you're you're gonna have you're gonna have puck luck. I, I get it, but can they sustain sustain that? I don't think so. So it's, and we've seen uh, Logan Thompson stumble there this weekend there too, against the Oilers. I I think he's in the running for the Calder, uh, Calder trophy uh, for top rookie in the league. He has regressed a bit, uh, like, just like Stuart Skinner, you're, you're going to have, you're going to have stumble appearances, mind you, but he's been playing, he's been playing pretty, pretty darn awesome there as well as a whole for that team in the absence of Robin Leonard. And for any of you that do not know, Robert Leonard, this last weekend, uh, filed chapter seven, uh, I think it's chapter seven bankruptcy in the U.S. I guess he had a snake ranch that went under in Missouri. So things you don't already know, you now know. <laughs> but anyways, I wanted to talk about these rebuilds. You see the situation in Vancouver and holy smokes, like it just, it's unreal what's happening here. You want to talk about, uh, I think Kevin Woodley described it as an ongoing tire fire and it's pretty accurate you know, with what ha- happened there with Tanner Pearson, the hand surgeries, they, they, they deemed it week to week right off the hop and he didn't even need surgery. They, 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 uh, they released to the public and now <laughs> he just had his third hand surgery and they figured they're going to have to have do two more surgeries. So he's gone for the year. Jim Rutherford came forward there today and basically aired out as much as he could to the public with the doctors and then proceeded to say, yep, we're, 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 we're not, you know, going scorched earth. We're going to have to do major surgery on this team. And it made me think, you know, like with just, just looking back the history of the team, they could have done this with the Sedins. They could have had went scorched earth, built everything from scratch they really didn't in a way. And now they're, you know, history is repeating itself. And you've seen it there with Montreal. I remember my buddy there, uh, Tyler Campbell there. He has his own his own podcast called Soups on Hockey. He hasn't done anything in here as of late. But he went on this huge rant here. It had to have been about a year, year and a half ago about why Montreal had to go scorched earth. This was before the draft with Lafreniere. He said it would be most, it would be absolutely crucial to have a local guy as your face of your franchise, a number one draft pick. And they blew it. Excuse me. They blew it. Like it just, it, Mark Bergevin at the time there, no, no, no. We're just going to kick the can down the road type of deal and we're going to, we're going to retool on the fly. Well, it didn't exactly work out the greatest for him. And, you're seeing that in Vancouver now. It just it, it's like history repeating itself all over again. And I have to take a comparable in Chicago what they did last year with Kyle Davidson as the new GM there. The, he went scorched earth, and I'm talking about scorched earth. Like he he he's stripping it down right to the studs. 
it makes you wonder, you know, like, and people are laughing at them. It's like, well, you, you, you do your, your, uh, I guess you would be, uh, internal audit of the team and you look, <laughs> you look at what you have. Like they traded away Kirby Doc. They traded away Alex DeBrinket. Mind you, DeBrinket's uh, qualifying offer for for this upcoming year. He's going to be uh, RFA, but his qualifying offer is nine million. The, I, I don't think Davison wanted to pay nine million bucks for one year for for a guy that he deemed expendable. So you take a look at, at Vancouver <laughs> and what they did with re-signing. JT Miller, and they kind of use that money for what they're who they're going to lose now with uh, Bo Har- Horvat, you know. And I, I think Bo Har- Horvat's t- three times, th- four times the player of of JT Miller. He, he pretty much is the face of your franchise. He's the captain of the team, and he, you, you got to wonder just what they're thinking, what their line of uh, of reasoning behind all this. And now you've got all this drama. With Tanner Pearson and Jim Rutherford appeared before the 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 media there today, and he just said, "Yeah, we're we're gonna we're not gonna fully rebuild, but we're gonna do major surgery. We're gonna retool on the fly." <laughs> like, uh, give your head a shake, man. Like, they're in dire straits, and I feel for Vancouver fans, man. Like, I, I thought. Thatcher Demko was going to have his breakout year. He was going to win the Vesna, and it's been anything but, you know, and I, I feel for Bruce Brudrow as well because I, I seen him there on the bench there on the weekend. They The camera panned to him there when he was looking out, just, just a blank desk there. And I, you got to feel for the guy, you know, like just just an absolute shambles of this, this franchise is being run. I hate to say it. You know, and um, I'm not <laughs> being an Oilers fan. I was front row and center for 10 years. It's called the decade of darkness. If you're not an Oilers fan, it was a decade of darkness and management literally ruined this, this franchise. And I'm seeing it all over again in Vancouver. But now, now Jim Rutherford there, the president of uh, hockey operations, wasn't even Patrick Alvine, who is the general manager of the Vancouver Canucks. Jim Rutherford wanted to clear the air, and I, I don't think he cleared it up one bit. You know, if you want to tear tear the uh, the the franchise down to the studs, I could see you keeping Elias Patterson as a forward. I could see you keeping Quinn Hughes as a defenseman, and I could see you keeping. Thatcher Demko as your franchise goaltender moving forward. That's it. Get rid of everybody else. I know, <laughs> like I said there before, the re-signing of JT Miller basically gave that franchise an anchor right there alone. Let alone the predecessor, the former GM, Jim Benning, trading for Oliver Ekman Larson. And now I think he's got about six years left on his deal. Six or seven, I can't remember off the top of my head. I don't have the info in front of me, but man, oh man, you want to talk about bad contracts. And now, <laughs> now I wonder what they're going to do as, as a management group. Do you, you have to trade Bo Harvat at this, at this juncture. You're going to wind up like with a Johnny Goudreau situation, just like it happened there in Calgary last year. Trade them and get assets. Like try to get a couple of first rounders, and this year is the year to do it. Like the year to tank, especially for Vancouver, was this year because you got a generational player who's a bona fide number one draft pick in Connor Bedard. <laughs> like it's just it's absolutely insane, man. Absolutely insane what they're doing there. It's just that we're just going to kick that can down the road a year a little bit more, and it just. Oh man, at least in Chicago, like I said, they're going scorched earth. It's going to be ugly here for the next three to four years, at least, if not more. Jason Greger there on TSN 1260 said minimum of eight years. I don't think so. I think it'll be about around about four to five. When you do draft and develop your prospects, it's going to be a rough time. You know, you see that, like I said, in San Jose, you're seeing that in, well, Philly, I don't, Philadelphia Flyers, I don't think they have an, an identity. 
there's another franchise that's in just in complete disarray. And you bring in a coach like John Torrell that demands performance, that demands effort each and every night on that ice. And it's just like, <laughs> where's your identity as a team? Are you going to rebuild or are you going to just, you know, quote unquote, retool on the fly like everybody else? Yeah, it's just crazy, man. It's crazy. Anyways, I'm going to I'm gonna leave here right now. I wanted to talk about, actually, you know what? I retract my previous statement. I want to talk briefly about the World Juniors. I saw them as a whole pretty much, and I got to say, <laughs> man, oh, man, what a treat that was to watch, especially that Canadian team with Thomas Millich in the net. That kid better get drafted this year. I think he's going to be – I'm pretty sure he's going to get drafted because he got passed over the last two drafts. And then the other standout that really you know, caught me off guard was Slovakian goaltender Adam Gaia. And I think he's playing the USHL this year. Uh, I can't remember. I think it's the Green Bay Gamblers, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, one of the two there, I know that he was with uh, Chippewa Steel there, but I'm pretty sure he's with Green Bay right now. I tra- I checked all the listings here for the mid-season scouting uh, ranks, and I didn't see him anywhere, which I, I, I'm i not actually not surprised because most goaltenders are, as they say, voodoo. You know, nobody likes ranking goaltenders, but keep your eye out for that kid because he... <laughs> He he literally stood up. He saved Slovakia's bacon so many times, and Slovakia as a whole, that team there, man, that that country there, they they have a great hockey program, and I think like if they, as long as they keep putting money into it, they're going to pump out excellent prospects from from here to, to tomorrow. It just uh, that that performance there against Canada for Adam Guyan was one for the record books because. Canada was literally on the ropes. They couldn't even make it. They, 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 they could have gotten eliminated that game. It was pretty crazy. But anyways, I digress. I'm going to bring in heavyhockey.com's own Jeff Aid. He's, like I said, he's a gigantic Sabres fan. I had the, the, the a chance there to interview him here right before I record this little bit. And I hope you enjoy the interview. Thanks again for checking out this little little podcast. Um, I hope to be doing more. I actually know I won't. I, let me retract that once again. I will be doing more here in the future, especially going down to the wire here for the trade deadline. I will be uh, keeping an eye, uh, keeping tabs on the uh, junior prospects, uh, the junior draft uh, eligible prospects for this season. Uh, I've already checked out the goaltending. There is some really, really good goaltenders in this draft here coming up here too. I will be speaking about in future uh, in future shows. But anyways, I digress once again. I'm going to bring in Jeff Aid, Buffalo Superfan. Thanks again for checking this out. And here we go. Well, Jeff, how's she going tonight, man? Pretty good. It's been a long day. I'm a little tired, but that's life, Kirk. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm hanging in there too, but it's been a long day for me there too. So, uh, first off, I want, I do want to talk about, uh, about your, uh, your team. You're not, you're from Edmonton, but you're not a fan of the Oilers. Uh, I, I gotta, I gotta ask you like what, what happened there? Like it was, it was it just by coincidence you didn't like the Oilers or, or you just said, what the heck I want to cheer for somebody else. Um, you know, I, I get that question a lot, and honestly, the the best way I can describe it is uh, uh, just longevity at this time and loyalty. You know, uh, it all started first because I got a bunch of family in Buffalo. Um, when I was a kid, my mom's older sister, so like not just like any like friend of my mom's, like my mom's straight up sister, um, she married an American and she restarted her life in the States. So I was like seven or eight, maybe like elementary school at the time, and this was like the mid to late nineties. And back then they had a good team, you know, they had like Dominic Hasek, they were going to the finals and foot in the crease and Brett Hall and all that. And so they were a really good team back then. And it was kind of funny in a way, cause my, my aunt and my cousins out there, 
they were joking with my dad that like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna brainwash him into a Buffalo fan. And they kind of <laughs> did. I'm not gonna lie, because I got just like shirts and uh, jerseys and stuff dating back like 20, 25 years ago. And I don't know. I just kind of stuck by them. And I'd always tell my dad and my brothers, like, you know, just because I'm born here doesn't mean I'm required to cheer for the Oilers. And I don't know if I was just trying to stick it to my my brother and my dad as a kid. But I just and I, I will admit when I was a kid, I used to be more like a Sabres East, like Oilers West in a way, like fans of double team. But the older I got when I was like a teenager, I was like, no, you know, one team, you know, and it, it really got to be a close big deal in 2006, actually, because Buffalo lost in the Eastern final. And all that playoff, everybody's like, what are you going to do if it's Buffalo and Edmonton in the finals? And I would say, I'm <laughs> I'm going for Buffalo. I have to. You know what I mean? Like, So it kind of like in 2006, that was like the, the time where I had to like, I feel like pick a team in a way because I almost had my dream Stanley Cup final, Sabres and Oilers. That would have been great. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So do you have an, an old school player there? Like uh, not recent, but or I should say uh, now, but back in the day, did you have a favorite player there that, that, yeah, I'm, I like that guy. I want to root for that guy. A little bit. And it's funny you say back in the day, because like, sorry, I'm 35. So back in the day might not be <laughs> too, too far, I guess. But like, I'm thinking like in the mid to late nineties, like that type, I guess, because I was a kid and that's kind of an, I don't know. I started like my earliest memory with the Sabres, I guess. Right. And I would have to say Dominic Hasek, even though I was never really a goalie. Like when I played, I was always a centerman and Hasek just had that unique style. And just, he was just such a rare breed. You know what I mean? So I always like Hasek as a kid. And if I have to throw another one in there, I always liked uh, Mike Pekka as well. Um, I like that Selkie type of uh, forward there who kind of sometimes, you know, uh, gets unsung in a way because he doesn't put up the flashy points. Right. But Pekka, that Selkie candidate kind of thing, right? So Hasek and Pekka, I would say like in the late 90s, those were my guys, you know? Right on, right on. And uh, <laughs> you guys are going through a decade of darkness yourselves, kind of, sort of. You haven't had too much luck getting to the playoffs, but you, you got to love this new, this this young team, no? Yeah, you know, it's been 11 years now, so they topped the Oilers. And uh, <laughs> this season this season will be 12. And honestly, I, I think they're not, they're not going to make it this year. So I think it'll be 12 straight years, but I, I don't know if I'm just like kissing the ring too much, but I'm really a huge fan of GM Kevin Adams. And this is his third season now. And I just feel like the way Adams has just made the trades, like the Eichel trade, the wrist alignment trade, the Sam Reinhardt trade, he's traded well, he's drafted well. And I just feel like he's just really stockpiled a lot of uh, good prospects going forward for the future, you know, and the only knock I might have on Adams is sometimes he might be a little too patient and too, like he's got to stick to the plan kind of thing. Right. Like it depends yep. on the situation, but it's okay to steer away from the plan a little tiny bit. Right. So, so it's been, I feel like this year has been, I don't know uh, the way I kind of saw it being because uh, they weren't, I, I never saw them making the playoffs, but right now they're on pace for 86 points, which I feel like, it's, it's a step up from last year. And, um, you know, as long as they're playing competitive games later on in the season and the youth shows improvement, right? Because they're the youngest team in the league and you want to show just the improvement for the future. Like, I don't think they want to, I don't know, just go all in for this 2022-23 season. Like, it's about the future for this group, right? Right, right. No, I, I totally agree, man. I a lot of, the, I, I mentioned it actually on my first show on here. Uh, at the draft and and uh i remember your guys's chief amateur scout he literally broke down in interview and i was like i did it, it, it threw me for a loop man i was like wow this guy actually cares about the future of this team the future of uh the buffalo like caring for sabers fans as a whole so i i uh i'm definitely rooting for you guys man because it sounds like just as you said there with kevin adams it sounds like they're they're invested totally in this team so i i want to quickly uh touch on your guys's drafting you guys have drafted really really well uh primarily even into your goaltending so <laughs> i'm a goalie guy i gotta ask you um the last couple of years here especially like what do you think of uh, the, the future of devin levi because man oh man he, he had one hell of a, a world juniors there that one year yeah and uh, once again i think they've been pretty good drafting wise too because they got levi in the trade actually uh with sam reinhardt and oh that's like, right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and i, I feel like it's a pretty good trade because um Florida originally had Levi, and it was a, a good trade uh, sending Sam Reinhardt there for a first rounder and Devin Levi. And 
like you mentioned, the World Juniors, or Levi really stepped up and shows a lot of potential and everything. And last year, he had a great year in college, but I'm not up to date on the numbers. I just know he hasn't been really up to that status this season in college. You know what I mean? So it's been a bit of a down year compared to last year, but the mm-hmm. potential is still there. And, you know, I feel like they have a good pace with both uh, Lukanen and Levi because Lukanen's right now in the NHL and he's showing he's pretty much there. He's pretty much arrived. And Lukanen's, you know, you want that in your young goaltender that you drafted just a few years ago. And Levi, he's still in college. So he'll be in the AHL next year. And I feel like. If Lukanen doesn't pan out, you got Levi just a couple years behind just in case. Or if Lukanen right. does pan out, which Lukanen looks like he's on a good good schedule kind of with his progression, I think you could have a good tandem of Lukanen and Levi going forward in the future. And that's two goalies that, you know, two young goalies that pretty much brought up through the system, even though Levi wasn't drafted. You asked you asked me there in the, the heavy hockey chat there a little while back about Lukanen and uh, the parallels between him and Skinner. And it, I, I had to stop and I had to think about that for a second. What what makes it so similar in your eyes as far as the, the drafting and development of, of UPL? Um, they were drafted the same year. I'm pretty sure they were both drafted in 2017. Um, just Skinner was a second rounder and uh, Lukanen was a third rounder. Mm. Oh, no, it's the other way around. Sorry. Lukanen, second round, Skinner, third round. But, uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, the similarities are just the one difference though is um Skinner's last year of waiver exemption was last year, like last season. But with Lucan and he's still waiver exempt this year. So he uh Lucan graduated oh no, sorry, Skinner graduated onto pro hockey a year earlier. So mm-hmm. he's able to just be that full time NHL a year sooner. But both of them had some similar paths and I feel like both teams were just being very patient in their in their minor league development. Because as you remember last year, the Oilers Send Skinner down, and I feel like no matter what Skinner done or did last year, he was going back to Bakersfield no matter what. So they're yeah. really going to be patient and kind of sticking with that plan. And I feel like the Sabers were going to do that with Lucan in this season until he kind of just took the reins and he's like, I'm not, you know, I, this is my crease kind of thing, right? So the similarities are there, and I, I, I kind of have a little higher hope in Lucan in a way, but I think they're both going to be great goaltenders going forward, you know. So they're the same age, they were drafted the same year, and. You know, both teams just being patient with them. And I hate to sound old school, but I think with goalies, you, you got to be patient sometimes. And a little extra AHL team doesn't, AHL time doesn't always hurt, right? Yeah, well, you, the term is over-ripening there by, yeah. by our GM. They're, yeah. uh, you know, and it doesn't hurt at all. But I uh, <laughs> I got to ask, oh. there's, there's one... There's one uh, goaltender there that you guys have drafted, and he's still in college. And rumor has it, at least I heard on 32 Thoughts there with Elliot Freeman and Jeff Merrick, that Eric Portillo might go to free agency at the end of his college year. What's your thoughts on Eric Portillo doing that? Uh, I I hate to say it, but I kind of like understand in a way, like – the Sabres have a log jam in the crease there. Like with Lucan in right now and Levi right there as well, he probably sees that it's just the big log jam that he's not going to be able to get the opportunity to get through, you know? So it's a little disappointing because you, you he had the success in Michigan last season and maybe it's the type of team they had around him as well because they had a pretty stacked team last year as well, right? Oh, so yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a little disappointing because you, you still like to, in my opinion, it, it strengthened numbers in a way because goalies are voodoo, as they always say, right? So even right. if they still would have kept Eric, I feel like it would have been strength in numbers. You know, I'd rather have the depth in that position than not, right? So, but chances are it looks like he's sitting free agency and maybe they can get traded rights or something at the deadline. But it, it, I think his days are numbered and it's interesting to see where he'll go because I don't know what other opportunities are out there, like in Arizona or something like that, but they, you know, he's going to be stuck in the basement for a few years as well. So uh, it's, yeah, you know, I wish I could see him as a saver one day, but it's probably not going to happen. Oh, that's fair, man. That's fair. Like, I, I totally agree. I think your guys' uh, cupboard there for goaltenders is going to be stacked full. And, uh, I think he kind of views it as that as well, but uh, I wanted to talk to you guys about your free agent signing there this last summer there with Eric Comrie. I know he got injured. Uh, is what's the update on him? Is he still in Rochester? They're rehabbing or, or what's happening here? Oh um, no, he's, he's back up with Buffalo and the last, I'd say week or so they've been kind of running with a three goalie system and 
it's it's always tough to juggle those because who's going to sit up in the press box and everything like that. And um, they've been just kind of juggling three goalies. And UPL played earlier today, but uh, Comrie just played a few games ago. And he's he's been struggling. It's sad to see because I was hoping the best for him. And he started off okay well, like the other game earlier in the season. I'm sure you remember. Yeah, yeah. But he's just kind of <laughs> dropped off recently, you know. And I it sucks to see because he's somebody I was really pulling for. And I was actually... You know, I was really excited when they draw a sign of I'm not going to lie, because he's been a career backup, and I feel like he did pretty good behind Hellebeck there, but he just never had the opportunity, especially when you're stuck behind somebody like Hellebeck, right? So the Sabres were going to give him the chance, the opportunity to be a starter, and it hasn't gone the greatest. Like He's got a 4-8 and eight record so far with the 833 save percentage. So it's it's been struggling, but the way I look at it is it's still early. You know, he signed for two years. He's only played twelve. He's only played twelve games, and I feel like they're not going to write somebody off after twelve games. You know what I mean? So it's. Uh, I feel like they signed him for two years for a good reason to give uh, UPL a little more time, just in case. But at the end of the day, I think it'll be a UPL Comrie tandem next season, with the way things are looking. You know, so he has been struggling, and hopefully he can turn things around. But maybe he's just a backup goalie, and that's okay still too, right? So. Right. Right. My last question about Buffalo is uh, it's it's amazing to see a 41-year-old goaltender. We see it here in Edmonton. We were with Mike Smith last year, and he literally played until he just about fell apart, literally. Um, what's your thoughts on Craig Anderson there beating Father Time there to the punch? And, and uh, is he, he seems like he's a 25-year-old there in the net there some days when he's playing. Like, he, he just uh, he's, he looks like he's having fun. Yeah, and it's great to see, you know, at this age, he just he's probably just happy to still be playing kind of thing, right? And, you know, looking at the numbers, too, he's he's got the best save percentage of the three goalies. He's got the best goals against average of the three goalies. But I, it hasn't really come out, but I think at 41, they probably want to uh, manage his playing time in a way. You know, you don't want to force feed it or you don't want to throw him in too many games at this stage of his career. So it's something where he might just get limited action. And it's I think they're in a tough spot right now, too, with the three-goalie system because mm-hmm. they don't want to – healthy scratch Craig Anderson way too many times in his final year, you know, and there's been been a lot of talk on Sabres social media about, you know, just just why not wave Eric Comer or wave Craig Anderson. And I I feel like that's just, you know, as much as hockey is a business sometimes, I feel like you still got to have a respect factor involved. And at 41 years old, and I think there was rumors that they they convinced Craig to come back. So it'd be a little rough to kind of convince a guy to come back. And then, oh, sorry, we're going to waive you halfway through the season now. Yeah, that'd be a pretty dirty situation there as a whole. And uh, I wanted to ask you, like, do you you figure that if they do honor him, like with his entire contract this year and don't waive him, do you think he'll stick around there with the organization and be a mentor to to the young goalies, even if they don't bring him back and via contract, say like a goalie goalie consultant type of deal? Ooh, I I would like to, but honestly, I don't I don't know if he would. You know, I I feel like they got a good goalie coach in place, and I know he could find other roles in the organization, but I just it's tough to say because some sometimes it comes out of the family like is embedded in the community and like live there, stay there kind of thing. But I don't know, judging from social media and stuff, I think the Anderson family are still like in Florida a lot of times and kind of that's their off season home. And I don't know if they want to like move fully to Buffalo kind of thing after <laughs> this year. Kind of thing. So it'd be tough to see, like, it'd be great to see. Cause I think he'd be just perfect for that role. Right. Like he knows the goalies really well. And I think he just, he seems like the type of guy that would thrive in that role. So it'd be something I would love to see happen, but I just, I don't know if they got the, the room in the organization or even if he's, he wants to stay in Buffalo that long post his uh, NHL career. Yeah, Buffalo isn't. It doesn't compare. It's I think it would be the polar opposite of Florida for sure. Yeah. Like you, you can't beat the weather in Florida. That's for sure. I uh, I gotta ask you about. <laughs> you talk about drama, like, and thank God it's no longer here. It's no longer in Buffalo. But you got to look out to the to the West Coast there at Vancouver, and, and uh, the absolute hornet's nest of their franchise. What do you think about the future of Vancouver as a whole? Like you talk about Pearson there with his with his hand surgeries there. You you seen Jim Rutherford there today in front of the media with the doctors, and it I I didn't I didn't get to see the entire interview, but from what I've heard here on the local radio stations, just terrible handling of the whole situation. What's your What's your take there on on Vancouver as a whole? 
Um, first off, I do think it's rather funny, you know, <laughs> I, 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 you know, the Sabres hat is still on and as a Sabres fan, um, you know, I, I've grown up with a lot of friends who are Vancouver fans and both Vancouver and Buffalo, I'm sure as you know, are 1970 expansion siblings, what you want to call them. Right. So, but both of them have zero Stanley cups. And I got a buddy for like the last 20 years. We've been bugging each other like, hey, who's going to get the first cup? You know what I mean? And we're still <laughs> bugging each other to this day. Well, who's going to get their first cup? So it is funny how both teams have had uh, major struggles over the last 50 plus years. But as for Vancouver, it's, it's you know, if I try to be unbiased, it sucks, you know. I, but I also feel like they haven't really pulled the pin to like go like full tank mode. And at this point, that's that's sometimes what it takes you know if you're just drafting in like the 8th to 10th overall range or 8th to 12th you're going to get a good pick but not the type of like pulverizing pick that's going to just alter your organization kind of thing right so they got good picks there in Quinn Hughes and Elias Pedersen but like I feel like Rutherford's just kind of mismanaged his finances and now things are just like I think one of his quotes today is we're, we're in quite the pickle with Bo Horvat and I'm like well how did you guys get into that pickle you know what I mean like the JT Miller contract I feel like the yep. The Ekman Larson trade, where they took on that big deal. Tyler Myers has got six million, but I think he's done in next year or the year after. So there's mm. a lot of just overpaid individuals there, and I still kind of laugh in a way because I got the Oil King shirt on, and Dylan <laughs> Gunther could probably be a Vancouver Canuck today, but they thought it was a good idea to make a trade there, and Dylan Gunther's now in Arizona instead of Vancouver, right? So there's a lot of just weird decisions there, and. You know, Rutherford, I know, has got the resume, but sometimes it feels like these older GMs kind of the game passes them by in a way. And, you know, the cap era is just a different different animal. You know what I mean? So Rutherford, I know, has had success in the past, but it's just it's I don't know. Maybe it's just kind of beyond him in a way this time. So the Vancouver thing is just it's yeah, Horvath's probably gone. And it, it's I don't think it's going to get any better anytime soon because they're probably going to draft in like the five to 10 range this year. So they're not going to get like a top five pick and they're just going to be, you know, sitting in that middle range for just years to come until they finally pull the trigger. Like, okay, like we got to just tank or not kind of thing. Right. So. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you, man. I totally agree with you. It's uh it's a complete, uh, a complete scene out there. It's, it's terrible. Complete tire fire. Uh, lastly, I got to ask you, I was, I seen the oil King shirt, so I had to ask you're, you, do you take in a lot of oil Kings games there or try to manage to get to a few here year after year? I, I try to like last year was a big year. They had a great team and everything. And I went to about, about maybe like 10 games, like including pre I mean, regular season and playoffs, but I went to a good four playoff games and it's just great to see that team because I kind of knew like, this is. This team is going to plummet, which they have this year. And this season, I've only been to one game. And it's just, it's, I don't know, just sometimes finding the time. And, uh, you know, every year I try to at least go to a handful of games at least. And uh, it just depends on the year, what's going on in my life, I guess, to how much I'm following. But, like, last year I did follow a lot because they had a stacked team there. And it's great to see just the type of, like, team they loaded up last year to get that WHL championship. And, you know, if Gunther was fully healthy, maybe they could have got the Memorial Cup there. But they had a great run. And it was still, I don't know, just fun to kind of watch them, like, as much as I don't like the Oilers, I will say I'm a big Oil Kings fan, and uh, junior hockey is just a different breed. You know, it's fun to, like, watch them just graduate on to pro hockey and see players like Dylan Gunther go on to the pro uh, NHL and everything, and even guys in the AHL, like, uh, you know, Sourdiff, I don't know if I remember Sourdiff last year, he's down mm-hmm. in Florida's AHL team this year, and you know, yep. there's a few guys just to try to check up on, right? So it's cool just to see them graduate and see the flows of junior, and you know, they've had a really rough year and I will say like, it's, it's expected they're going to drop, but like, it seems like that's like a big drop they had this year. Like they're dead last. They lost like 15 in a row. And mm-hmm. so like there was going to be a step back, but that's like a huge leap backwards. And so <laughs> it's, it's been a rough season and uh, you know, I'll try to pick, check out a few games cause it's good for the kids. It's cheaper tickets and you can sit closer to the glass and stuff like that. But it's, you know, definitely a rough uh, go around this year. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt, man. I got to ask you about the World Juniors. Did you manage to take in any and watch any games there on the tele- television or not? Uh, honestly, not many, like in full length. There's a lot of times where I just kind of saw highlights online and kind of watch it online. But it just, Connor Bedard is on another another level kind of thing, right? And from a Sabres perspective, it was good to see uh, Yuri Kulik in there for Czech, uh, Czechia. And yep. Kulik's somebody that they drafted 28th overall last year. And it was uh, just one of those things where people are like, how did he drop this far? And he's been doing, from what I've seen anyways, uh, really good in Rochester. So just those Sabres prospects were good to see uh, from Kulik and Czechia. And 
Yeah, like I said, sorry, I didn't get the chance to watch all too many of the games. I just a lot of times I listen to the radio in twelve sixty or just kind of yep. saw highlights online there. So nice, nice. Yeah, no, uh, I, uh, <laughs> I. It's funny where you you see where they drafted. You seen with like with the Buffalo Sabers there with with Jack Quinn and and uh, JJ Paterka. You seen where they were in the juniors and then how they've grown and now they're full-time NHLers. What favorite, uh, I got to go back to your team there for a second. What, what's your favorite player on, on the, on the team this year? Hmm. Hmm. That's a good question. I, I would have to maybe go with Dylan cousins in a way, just because uh, Dylan cousins is somebody that I remember watching in the WHL before he got drafted by Buffalo. And during mm-hmm. the 2019 draft, I was like, Oh, I don't know if you'll make it to Buffalo. Cause he was ranked pretty good in some, uh, some rankings and everything like that. So I would have to say currently cousins, just because I love the fact that he came from, you know, Western Canada. And I just, I just remember watching him a lot in Lethbridge before he even became a Sabre. So I just like, I remember that guy before Buffalo and it's cool to see him kind of grow over the years from the WHL days to the NHL days. And he's, a, I feel like he's a rare, uh, rare breed because he kind of, he's, he skipped the AHL altogether. And I feel like you only usually see that in guys like Connor or like top, like draft picks. Right. But yeah, you know, for, yeah. Dylan, for Dylan cousins to just bypass the AHL altogether and not even play a single game down in Rochester. I, I feel like that just shows a lot of his hard work and just, you know, he's the white horse, you know, work horse or the white horse, whatever they call it, right? And he's just, <laughs> yeah, he, I got to say, he's yeah. my favorite player. And just, uh, it's good to see just with the, you know, the building blocks for the future. Because with Tate Thompson as the number one center and Dylan Cousins as your number two center, I feel like I'm the type that I want to build down the middle and have a good center spine down the middle, right? And the only thing right. I do kind of wonder with is Cousins is an upcoming RFA. And I know the Sabres have a ton of cap space, but then you got to pay your prospects and, you know, he's the type of guy I want to lock down long term, but then what's that dollar figure look like for cousin? So, yeah, <laughs> I was just going to ask you that. Do you give him seven by eight or, or what, what, what do you figure is a fair price for, uh, for a guy there's, like him? See, there's two, two people I want to use as a comparison only because, um, just today, Matt Boldy was signed for seven years, 7 million. And those two were drafted in the same year, only like five picks apart. So I feel yep. like Matt Boldy could be a semi-good comparison. And the other comparison I want to use is Tage Thompson, only because, uh, you know, Tage Thompson just got his extension last year where he's at 7.14. Now, just from looking at the stats and how important they are, does Dylan Cousins get more than Tage Thompson? You know, they were signed at different times, but I, I haven't heard anything, of course. I don't know what they're talking about internally, but I would love if Tage Thompson is kind of like their ceiling, you know, like nobody goes above Tage, like he's, for forwards, anyways, because Darlene's going to get more than Tage when Darlene comes up. But mm-hmm. I feel like for forwards, Tage Thompson should hopefully be the measuring stick. So Tage is at 7.14. In a perfect world, they can keep Cousins on around that range or under it. So Because it, it's going to all add up because Cousins is this summer, and then Darlene and Power are both in two summers where you're going to need to pay Darlene lots and Power. Let's lock him down while we can, too. So as much mm-hmm. as they got like the most cap space in the league, that's that's going to be gone in a few years pretty quickly, too. Right, right. And you uh, you, you mentioned Tage T- Thompson there. Like, what a, what a steal from St. Louis with that Ryan O'Reilly trade, eh? Yeah, and I will admit, like, back when it happened, I, like, thought, like, okay, he's for the future. He's for the future. Like, we get it. But then as years passed, I was kind of thinking, okay, so when's this going to happen with Tage? Like, when's he going to break out? And last year was kind of his, like, coming out season. And, you know, uh, Coach Don Granado there, I feel like the, one of the big keys is he he moved him to center, you know. And uh, his first few years as a, as a Sabre, when he came over from St. Louis, Tage was playing right wing. And I, I don't know what kind of spark it meant. And I'm sure on the side, Tage was – you know, trying to improve his skills and everything else as well. But it, it all happened. It seems like it happened around the time he became a centerman. So, you know, you got that big body in the center of the ice. Maybe he just sees the ice differently or he just gets out there a bit different. But he's been shooting the puck a lot better as well. So he's been working on a lot of things, it seems. So it's 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 cool to see because just not anybody saw it coming. Like the, the projections or just the way he was climbing and stuff. Like I think his career high was like, what, 15 points or something stupid. And then he just breaks out last year and – you know, it doesn't seem like he's slowing down now. So I think that hopefully anyways, because anything, anything can still happen, but that contract's going to, going to age pretty well, you know, a 7.14, you know, it hasn't even kicked in yet too. We got to remember that it doesn't even start till next year. So he's still only making 1.4 this year. So it's, it's a great deal. <laughs> yeah, no. And I was just going to say, it's crazy to think that they nearly traded him away for a fifth round pick. 
Yeah, I at least that's what I heard there on the radio. I just shook my head. I'm like, wow, like they're one step away, and it it could have fell right out there for them as well. But you, you gotta you gotta say thank God, you know, like they they and as you said, they're like Kevin Adams being very very patient, and it's paid off in spades now. Yeah, no, that's for sure. And I, as much as I'm not a fan of former GM Jason Botterill, that was actually one of Botterill's trades and something that's still kind of helping the team out today. You know what I mean? So they got a first round pick in that with uh, defenseman Ryan Johnson, and he's still out in Minnesota. And Ryan Johnson's another one that's still not signed, but there's some good hype, uh, hype behind him. And I really hope they can lock down Ryan Johnson as well, because that decor, I don't know, if you can build your defense to the way they are, like you're going to be smiling for the years to come kind of thing. Yeah, no doubt, man. No doubt. One more prospect I got to ask you on. I think you've kept your eye on him this year, and that's Matthew Savoy. What's your take on him? Uh, I, I'm a huge fan only because he's just like Dylan Cousins in a way where, you know, I've known of him before he was a Sabre. And, of course, Savoy's from St. Albert, the Edmonton local boy. And, you know, the, the Savoy brothers have been pretty well known in the Edmonton area for a few years. So I'm a huge Matthew Savoy fan. And I think, like, He's another player just like Cousins where I was like, there's no way he can slip to the Sabres. And luckily he did slip to Buffalo. And I was just ecstatic as hell because I love when the, as much as I'm not an Oilers fan, I love when the local players go to Buffalo. Because <laughs> I feel like I got a little head start sometimes and a lot of Sabres fans are like, yeah, I've been watching this guy for a few years now, right? So he statistically, like offensively, it hasn't really been there this year. But I, from what I've heard and been reading, like I haven't watched too much, but he was moved to the wing a little bit and kind of they tried to change his role. And I just think, you know, it's maybe just been a different year kind of playing the right wing sometimes and jumping back and forth. But he's been on a hot streak lately. I forget the exact numbers, but I just I was reading lately that he's kind of perked his points uh, production the last few weeks and last uh, dozen games or so. So it's great to see. And, you know, I have high hopes for the future. Now, I just I got to spin this into another, I don't know, topic in a way. but like I. With Matthew Savoy, he's he's not AHL eligible next year, so I feel oh. like the so I feel like the Sabers will be in a tough boat, like almost like the Shane Wright Seattle situation this year, because Savoy like he's he's doing well, he's doing great. I don't think another year of junior will benefit him at all. So next year, I feel like the Sabers might hang on to him as long as they can, because what does another year of junior do for him, kind of thing? I feel like he's proved enough, and at this point, he's got to be. He's got to get a taste of the next level in a way, right? So it comes down to the big question of should there be some kind of exceptional status to get those young kids into the AHL a little sooner? Because mm-hmm. I think Savoy would be a perfect spot in Rochester next year, but he's still too young by the by the rule book and all that stuff. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Savoy next year because is he going to go to Buffalo or back to Winnipeg? So it's uh, I'm just yeah. I'm really wondering what they do with that because I'm really high on the kid and I think he could be great for the team, but just you got to make the trigger on that. Is he going to go back to junior for another year next year? Well, and he's only 18 years old right now, correct? He is. Oh, shoot. He's still 18, but from what I recall, his birthday is January 1st. So it's a late birthday then. Yes. And that's why he wasn't AHL eligible. Cause I believe you got to turn, you got to turn 20 before the calendar year uh, turns over. Okay. I got you that. That's why. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of crazy there. Like you mentioned Shane, Wright. You figured, you know, with, with, uh, there's, there's gotta be a grandfathering in, you know, you, you played so many junior years, you'd figure that you'd be good to go type of deal. And, and, but that's the, the agreement, I guess the NHL and the HL and, and the, the junior leagues have all, all got prearranged. So yeah, it's, it's kind of a kicker, you know, you'd figure that they'd give him the Rochester ASAP there next year, but yeah, I guess he's not eligible. So, um, I got to ask you here, uh, before I let you go, uh, have you got anything on the works there for the heavy hockey network or anything in the future you figure? Uh, you know, it's the one thing I love about our, our, our chief there, our boss man, Michael, he's very just open to any kind of just freedom and stuff like that. Right. So the, the doors open and the opportunities opened and, uh, I'm just right now, I'm not going to lie. It's more just a, of a confidence thing, but I'm trying to get more articles prepared for Sabre stuff. And a lot of times I do kind of get like a paragraph or so going and then I kind of just erase it all. Like, oh, that's garbage. That's garbage. Right. And I, I will admit, I, I only got one article out so far. And like, it's like, I have a huge amount of respect for people who put our articles the way they do. Like, it's, it's not easy. And just, I hate rereading it over because I just, I, I pinpoint every little thing. Like, oh, I got to take that out or change that kind of thing. Right. So 
I would love to lot getting a lot more just articles out, just even if they're Sabres related or just NHL as a whole. You know what I mean? Just to get into writing more. You know, I can I can make long tweets or I can go on a lot of rants like I'm doing sometimes, but not just to put that to paper and articles and stuff. Like it's a it's a big jump. You know what I mean? So that is kind of the plan. And you know, I'd love to get just more into podcasting and things like that too. But with the one thing I love about heavy hockey is it's just as you know, it's a tight family, and you know, I feel like everybody's just a good group with each other, right? So I'm just happy to be part of the team, and I feel like the future is just—it's going to be. We just keep growing bigger and bigger and doing more better and bigger things, right? So. No, I I hear you with the writing, and I have writer's block right now too, man. So it happens to the best of us. And shout out to Lotsy there, like he's just yeah. literally a machine, like. Uh, and same thing with Eric Friesen. Shout out to Mike Durson there today. He threw up a nice article there as well. Um, I got like you do awesome tweets there for every Sabres game. So I gotta say, I gotta ask you, pardon me, what's your handle on Twitter so that people can follow you? Oh gosh, um, yeah, I'm pretty active on Twitter, but in my defense, that's like the only social media thing I'm pretty active on. But uh, my my Twitter handle is aid seven eight zero. So pretty much my last name and the area code. You know, I'm pretty original, I guess. And uh, you know, I guess you can find me on Twitter and follow me on Twitter. I can be a little excessive on times, but you know, I love my hockey and it keeps me out of trouble. And uh, I'm always willing to talk any team. And you know, I, I love talking my Sabers the most, but I can talk Oilers, Flames, Arizona. You know, whatever team you want to talk. So so it's you know, I love my hockey talk. So let's we could do it for hours, buddy. Awesome, man. Awesome. Thanks for, again for, for, for showing up finally. I know this is kind of a rigmarole trying to set everything up here. We've, we've been trying to do this for a while. So I appreciate you coming on, make, taking the time out of your day here to, to, to the paddle down podcast. And, uh, thanks again, man. And, uh, all the best here. We'll probably get you on here probably next to next to the playoffs here again. Hopefully we're still talking about Sabres making a playoff push, you know, it, it, you never know, right? It, all it takes is getting into the dance and, and then, uh, you know, anything can happen after that. Yeah. Well, thanks again for having me, Kirk, you know, let's go Buffalo buddy. And I look forward to the future, man. You've been great to work with so far. So thanks a lot. Awesome, man. Take care. So there you have it. Jeff, a Buffalo Sabre super fan. Shout out to him for taking the time out, uh, to come on this little wee podcast. Uh, quick, uh, Quick custodial uh, uh, little segue here. Shout out to Cody Jansen and everybody there. World Hockey Report. Go check them out. Uh, World Hockey RPT on Twitter. Check me out. Uh, I do have, like I said there before, I do have some some material cooking. Um, I am KMRates1. That's the letter K, the letter M, and then writes is writing something out, and the letter or the number one uh, on Twitter. You can check us out as a whole at Heavy Hockey Net on Twitter, and if you want to read our articles, just go right to heavyhockey.com. Uh, hopefully, we'll have another episode here on the Paddle Down Podcast very very soon. Uh, I hope to have a whole, like I said, a whole whack full of material up uh, written-wise as well. So thanks again for checking out this little show. Until next time, take care.